on Unsolved Mysteries, Miraculous Escape, Phantom Judge, and the Coffee Pot Twins. Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Wow, quite a bit's been happening since the last time we recorded. Whatever do you mean, Robbie? Oh, uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess unless you've really been scrounging through the news, you probably haven't heard, but that Corona oh. thing has... Uh, has apparently taken off quite a bit. Yeah, it's really uh, sweeping the nation, but not in a good way. No. I um, I feel a little bad because, like, our last yeah. episode I was bragging about, like, all the, the food and stuff I stocked up on. And I really right. I really do kind of feel like while, while I was out, you know, in those couple of stores doing my panic shopper role play mm-hmm. that like I probably I feel like I kind of I hit the stores literally right before you know the things started to turn south like yeah. when I was in the store I mean there really wasn't there wasn't anything indicative indicative of anything to suggest that something was up i mean the 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 sanitizing wipes were all out but other than that the store looked normal i think i heard what i heard one person on the phone talking about corona Uh uh, and her her thing was like i guess she had some immune issues so she was sort of just uh particularly concerned uh but man like recently i went into a local grocery store uh to pick up some milk and butter uh-huh. And aside from the depleted nature of the shelves, I just noticed there was this weird energy in the air. Like I was yeah. looking at everyone and they're like, you know, there was definitely uh, some unsettled feelings. Well, I feel like all those doomsday preppers that probably live in the desert with you are feeling really vindicated right now. Oh God, they're insufferable. <laughs> Um, the, the smug superiority <laughs> in their voices is just irritates me to no end. Um, yeah. Also, there's, you know, uh, uh, what else? Probably total economic collapse here. There's that. Yeah, that's probably a thing. Um, but you just started a new job, right? So you're Don't jinx covered. it! Uh, <laughs> yeah, Sorry, I, I was I th- excited for you. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I, I thank you. Yeah, I, uh, yes, it, it appears despite my best efforts, I ended up getting hired by the state of Nevada. Yeah. Um, amazing. Uh, yes. And if, if the thing is, is I kind of almost feel in some ways I felt a little bad because like, I mean, I went in on Monday Mm-hmm. I filled out all my HR paperwork and, uh, you know, went through all that, just, you know, got situated in where I would be working at. And by the end of that day, the governor had basically like shut down the state, including, you know, except for yeah. like the, 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 uh, uh, critical needed employees. Uh, and I'm, I'm one of them cause the place I'm working at has to have people in it 24 seven. Right. Um, so, but yeah, the thing was, is like, so that, but that, that included like HR people. So I literally, I mean, like that was the last day I could get my, my paperwork and stuff filled out Wow. Uh, and get, get situated to, to be working in a job. Yeah, I know it's, it's, yeah. uh, I, pff. well, we're, we're the lucky ones for sure. I definitely this last couple of weeks have made me extremely grateful for everything that I have and that I don't have to worry about my yeah, I, I, and I, all of that stuff. So, 
I I have never heard you sound so positive about like your your work situation and other things than well, I have in the last few weeks. Well, the joke here's the thing. I I I don't think I've discussed on the pod what it is I do for a living, but I will say yeah. very vaguely, I'm a I'm a non-essential employee for a large um, ostensibly a government agency in Los Angeles. And, uh, I have always had the ability to do my job remotely. So basically, I mean, there's no, there's other than to be babysat, which I don't really feel like I need. There's no reason Mm -hmm. for me to sit for an hour and 15 minutes in traffic to go sit for nine hours in an office and not talk to anyone and then sit for another hour and 15 minutes to come home. That's basically been my life for the last couple of years but there's been absolutely no reason that I've had to show up in an office every day. I mean, everything I do is on a computer and I can do it remotely. So it's been this weird fulfillment of like a, like a monkey paw wish, which is like, Crystal, <laughs> you finally get to work from home. And like the plan was that, you know, I would get a job that maybe had less of a commute or maybe a little more flexibility where I would have more time to like go to exercise class or like, do the the social things that I've been wanting to do. So that's why it feels like this sort of like, okay, you finally get to work from home, but that's all you can do. Like you don't get to go out and do any, anything else. So, um, well, I mean, the dog's getting walked a lot now. Yeah. I guess it works out great for him. Yeah. Yeah. His life. So yeah. 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 Actually, I think, at some point, relatively recently, I, uh, um, I was on Twitter and someone, God, I can't remember everything they listed, but they made the same monkey. Oh, oh, I, I see it here. The same monkey paws, yeah, paw reference, yeah. Like, and so you know, and 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 here's what she had. <laughs> I wish school would be canceled. I wish I could spend more time with my family. I wish the. Uh, factories would reopen. I'm assuming that's like a reference to medical equipment mm-hmm. factories or something. I don't know. Um, and then at the bottom, she has as the fingers curled down on the monkey paw. <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually, well, I actually have a friend right now um, who got recruited because she has a sewing machine at home, and she's she's deemed an essential employee. She essentially uh, works for the works with or for the Metro department here in LA and none of that shut down. So um, she's been recruited this weekend with her sewing machine to make um, face masks. Oh, wow. She has a pattern for it and she's doing that just, just in case it's not really to keep the virus out, but if you are sick, she, you know, to keep your face covered so you don't spread it around. Um, To what end? I don't know what we're going to do with that, but I thought that was very nice of her. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I, and I, I, I'll say this, like I was, I was telling Robbie before we jumped on, like at least where I'm at, people are being like a lot nicer to each other than usual. (laughs) Well, really, I know that in LA a lot nicer. I'm really, I'm proud of you guys out there, LA. Like you're, you're really pulling it together impressively. So good job. Me. Meanwhile, on the one of the local Facebook page groups for the Dayton area, people yeah. are getting nastier and more belligerent. Oh. So, well, yeah, I guess I guess I guess up here in Dayton, we lack those simple small town values that you you people yeah in that Los we Angeles embody in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh. Um, well, I'll say this, having lived in Reno for 10 years and now having lived other places, I've never, I haven't lived anywhere that was more unfriendly than Northern Nevada. So. Ouch. Yeah. But I won't fired. dispute it. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was one of my, yeah. fa- it was one of my dad's favorite observations. How, how much nicer people, people in Kansas were than people in the, in Northern Nevada. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, well, I lived there for 10 I, years. I never knew any of my neighbor's names. And immediately when I moved into my apartment in Sacramento, my house in Sacramento, my first apartment in LA, now my house in LA, I know all of my neighbor's names and they like introduce themselves. They all might know my dog's name. If, even if they don't know me, um, you know, like 
we're looking out for each other. So yeah, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with y'all in Northern Nevada. <laughs> yeah, actually, now that you mention it, it does seem like Northern Nevada, I'm probably pretty well suited to living here because I, I tend to be a private person, an introvert right. person. I don't really like to go out a lot. And I noticed when I was back in Kansas most recently, Kansas, Missouri area, yeah. you know, and my family, that, yeah, you know, I, the number of times like random strangers would say hi to me and uh, be all cheery and friendly, quite often in that, that produced in, into me a feeling of, so deep suspicion huh, uh, like what yeah. what is this person after uh, and I, I honestly more than once i i suspected truly malicious intentions <laughs> well you know i think a lot of people that a lot of the types of people who um are drawn to the desert mm-hmm. uh and i'll ex- i'll accept vegas from this because i don't really know what's going on in vegas i don't know that town but like a lot of people, the desert generally is people who just kind of want to be left alone to do their own thing. So they're not necessarily like super friendly or community oriented anyway. And that's why they moved out there. I mean, am I right, dude? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, uh, were born into it. And I merely, uh, whatever that Bane quote is from Batman. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Uh, you, hey. mer- you merely adopted Northern Nevada. <laughs> I you. was born into it, <laughs> yeah, nurtured right. by it. <laughs> oh. Well, well, should we? Uh, that was a pretty long. It's not a Marin open; it's a Corona open. Should we uh, think about talking about some unsolved mysteries here? <laughs> I did not pay super close attention when the, mm-hmm. the, the segment was starting because I was scooping something into a bowl in, in my little kitchen area. Yeah. So I just walked into this thinking it was a wanted, but this was actually an investigator's. Yeah, it's it's kind of about John Philpin psychologist. Yeah, no, and... that's the thing. I'm 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 glad it turned out to be that way because halfway through while watching it, I was like, you know, this feels like this is this feels just like that segment that was the investigators when it was about the woman actually trying to track down something. Right. So I'm I'm yeah yeah no this is no well I'm sorry you 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 talk about this because I'm sure you got a lot to say. This is well I don't you know I don't have like a ton to say here. Um. So basically, and and Robbie clued me into this. This isn't actually mentioned at any point during the segment uh there was there was a serial killer on the loose that was um operating on the on route 91 which i guess goes uh between vermont and new hampshire and i uh, think they, <laughs> they uh they uh what's it the his nom de murder is the connecticut river valley murderer anyway but that wasn't mentioned on the show they just mentioned uh his victims and and very quickly unsolved mysteries goes through a list of victims between um 1978 and then finally uh 1985 i guess the last known victim uh was eva morse and she vanished in 1985. Her remains weren't found until 1986, though. <clears throat> um, oh, wait, nope, there was another one, Linda Moore, <laughs> May of 1986. No, of course. <laughs> oh, wait, no, there was another one in 1987. Okay, so here's the <laughs> thing. Uh, the, I, I don't need to get into all the gory details here, but basically the MO was the same, and it was pretty well established that these victims had all been killed by the same uh, person. So uh, one night... Around midnight on April 6, 1988, uh, Jane Borowski, who uh, in the Unsolved Mysteries segment is um, recounting her tale in shadow, understandably, as we will find soon find out why. Uh, she is seven months pregnant. Um, she went to a county fair. You know, it was like a hot, muggy 
night, I guess in April. You know how those New Hampshire Aprils are, hot and muggy. <laughs> and she <laughs> she stops at a, a, a vending machine near a market. And um, I just want to I want to spend some time right here to talk about the vending machine that is featured. In Let's the talk about that vending machine. Uh, did it catch your eye, Robbie? Um, well, admittedly, I was ca- kind of beginning to already be feeling so apprehensive about this poor, poor woman who I knew something horrible was going to happen to that. I didn't study it closely, but it, it was a Pepsi machine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, um, well, <laughs> um, it had the colors and the, um, geography of a, uh, Pepsi machine. Although, if you'll notice, and I did, that because this is not a show sponsored by the Pepsi-Cola company, that the uh, the actual word Pepsi in the circle of the <laughs> right, right, it's just this, it's just the, yeah, it's just the layout <laughs> has been has been blacked out. Now, I was watching with this with somebody who edits things for a living, and there is a term for the type of, like, t- when you, you have to remove a logo or blur it out mm-hmm. to make it unrecognizable in television, and it's called Greeking something. Greek? Greek, like the Greek islands. And huh. so if you need to Greek something out, that's what happened here. Whoa, interesting. Yeah, and then... Uh, I, thank you for we... that bit of filmmaking <laughs> magic. <clears throat> and Greek the origin thing. of that term, because... My boyfriend, David, didn't know. He just knows what it's called. We looked it up, and it's the idea that making the text illegible. I'm sorry. I think I just had a stroke. Making the text illegible, uh, the idea comes from the phrase, it's all Greek to me. It's Ah, yes, yes. So, anyway. So, uh, what's her name here? Who needs a Pepsi? Jane. And the reenactment. Well, I, I think we I probably skipped a part though, because there's like a bit where the investigator, uh, Dr. Philpin, is like talking about his process and who he thinks this Connecticut River killer is. Right. And they show him they do a couple of reenactments here. One of him like just being in a police station while a policeman just holds some pa- hands some papers after paper. But then they, they have a thing where they I guess it's not so much a reenactment. They follow him out into the woods where he, they sort of depict his method. Yeah, that's right. Uh, And he's like, they film him going through the woods like he's a goddamn mind hunter or some bullshit. (laughs) With, I mean, and showing like, yeah, like they'll show like blurred depictions of, you know, what, what he's conjecturing to have happened. Yeah. Like he's seen the past or something. (laughs) To me, this like segment was kind of like it was indicative of the higher production values that uh-huh. unsolved mysteries happen. Like the music is is often really intense too. Right. Like it feels like they've really put some extra effort into it. But I feel like um, at some point, like during the segment, and uh, I'm sure you'll get to it. I feel like we uh, regressed in a way hmm. uh, due to, uh, and if you don't mention it, I'll, I I will, but. Uh, please continue. Uh, so Jane gets out of her car and another a Jeep wagon, a cherry Jeep Wagoneer with wood paneling on the side um, pulls up and this the, the guy who's supposed to be the killer um, basically opens her car door and comes at her with a knife and, and in the reenactment she's like, don't kill me, I'm pregnant. Uh, yeah. and they, they, sh- they show the, her getting out of the car. Fortunately, they don't show the vicious attack that follows. That probably would have been too much for primetime yeah, oh, television. Man. Uh, but she's stabbed a total of 27 times and left to die in this parking lot. Jesus. Um, she lives though. And she is able to get in her car and get back on the highway while well, she's driving so fast on the highway that she actually catches up with the attempted killer's <laughs> car. Yeah. And gets right behind him. And so she's like, what do I do? Uh, yeah. Cause so, she's afraid that any moment he'll stop or turn right. around or. Yeah. Right. I realized that 
he was not successful. Um, right. So she I mean, makes. Go ahead. No, I was just thinking like, you wonder if like, maybe the like what what, the, what if like what if the guy actually had noticed her initially. And it was mm-hmm. like, holy crap, she's coming after me. I mean, granted, he's, he's, he's just stabbed her a lot of times, so she's bleeding. But, yeah. like, what if she had, like, you know, he could be thinking, like, what if she has, like, a pistol or something that she's going to, like, try to shoot me with? Yeah, I mean, uh, what if she had like, been, like, Uma Thurman and Kill Bill and he just fucked with the wrong lady? <laughs> I was, I, I guess that's actually a more appropriate Tarantino movie to go with. I was initially uh-huh. thinking Death Proof. Because oh, of the automobile yeah, but that aspect. One's good. That one's good, too. I was thinking of that yeah. with the car, because they go after that guy. Yeah. With their yeah. car. And they fuck him exactly. up <laughs> Right. Like, do you think the killer would have freaked out if she drove right up to him and, like, hit him in the back uh, bumper? Um, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I think at this point, she just is, like, probably... Well, yeah, she just wants care. to go somewhere so, so she can get medical help. I, yeah, I, know she, I don't think that, she's that's her reasonable. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I yes. So, so, but yeah, she makes it to her friend's house. Fortunately, um, Jane obviously survived. A couple months later, she has a very healthy child, so it's all good. Um, understandably, again, it's probably scared for her life, though. That's why she's in shadow giving this interview. Uh, so. The cops are in this too. There's a very like the very new New Hampshire uh, cop. I don't know how to describe that any more than I just did. <laughs> um, when we get when we get to our next segment, I'm going to be using a very New Hampshire insert quite a few times. So. Yeah, this is one of two New Hampshire based segments in this episode. <laughs> I was really hoping that all three would be New Hampshire based. I was yeah, I was hoping for I was hoping for, you know, the the triple role, but we didn't get it. And then I felt really yeah. bad because we've already named uh one of our episodes a New Hampshire situation. Oh and, God. Yeah. So I'm like, well here we are with more New Hampshire situations. Yeah, I, I guess I guess I'd really be kicking myself if if it was the triple crown. Yeah. And we couldn't use it. I would have to go back and rename that other episode something else <laughs> retroactively. Uh, that was actually my one of my original suggestions was like like every segment just be titled the insert state incident. Yeah. Um, and then like maybe a modifier like the in you know the the Michigan horse incident or I think that was what I wanted to call it, one of the earliest segments and stuff. Yeah, I think I, well, I mean, that was back when I was, like, naming segments, but then I've gotten lazy. And that was probably just confusing for the listener if you were trying to, like, follow along and watch the episodes. So I just used the <laughs> names of the segments that the producers gave for the episodes. <laughs> which honestly don't really connect with the material in the segments a lot of times. Like, this, this um, segment's called something like, like mystery date or something inappropriate. I don't know. <laughs> what the hell? No, that's not right. Oh I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, if it was called mystery date, that would be a huge oversight on whatever intern <laughs> has to like watch all these unsolved mystery episodes and bang out names right. for them. Well, um, there was one. <laughs> A while back, that was like Doctor Rapist, and I even before I watched the episode, oh, yes. I was like, "Oh, oh no!" Uh, uh. So Jane's okay. Anyway, uh, so the the idea, the reason that we were talking about the Connecticut River Killer and those murders before we get to this one is because police for a, a long time believed that this was the guy. So, um, seeing as she survived the attack, naturally, in order to determine who this guy was, guess what hypnosis? That's right. Um, uh. Dr. Philpin puts her under, and I, I don't know, was the implication she was so traumatized that she couldn't remember anything without the hypnosis? Yeah, I wasn't, yeah, I was kind of perplexed, because they don't really mention that, because I was like, well... 
what what is she not remembering? Because she was yeah. awake and uh, very much so during this attack. But I mean, I guess like they the show him number? trying to. Yeah, they show him trying to coax the license plate number out of him, uh, out of her. So maybe that was the point of it. Yeah. And I have to say, like, they actually do a good job of, like, because, again, they have, like, this sort of, like, they have this blurry, disjointed, you know, it looks, sort of looks like the frame rate is is off. Yeah. Of, uh, like, when it shows, like, what she's seen uh, uh, under hypnosis. And I feel like it does a good job of sort of, like, I mean, I've never been under hypnosis, but I I think of, like, you know, uh, how, how ambiguous anything you're going to get from hypnosis is. And, you know, just like, you know, he's trying to get this number out of her. And from your, from her point of view, all you see is just, just this splotch of color on the back of the car. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I can't see it. I can't, it's, it's too. and, And he's like the number. Give me the number. Uh, so then that's basically, I mean, there's some other stuff with the cops and the psychiatrist and all that shit. Um, and then we get, we get a white text update at the end of this. Mm-hmm. And it was basically, and I think what they're implying with the update is that in fact, this guy was not re- related to the Connecticut river killer. He was uh, just a separate uh, individual yeah. who, yeah, okay. <clears throat> so um, the update was that Jane believes she knows her attacker's identity. They don't say who it is, though. Evidence points to a war veteran who later killed himself and his family. So I, I guess the implication is the Connecticut River killer was never identified. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think so. I know that in the wiki they talk about, like, there's a couple of possible suspects that came up but the, okay. the it's still uncertain yeah they, they said there's they never had anyone for the new hampshire vermont route 91 murders um are, they're unsolved and there's been inconclusive dna tests so really kind of a zodiac situation there oh yeah you know? yeah um robbie there's uh before we move on to our next segment, I want to talk briefly. There's a, an extended update here in the middle of this episode. Uh, right. We've already, we've already covered the update in a previous segment, and that's not really what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the upgrade oh. to the update. Oh, I'm <laughs> so glad you wanted. That's what I wanted to talk about. Um, lay it on us. Oh. Yeah, they, again, I think, there's there's obviously a bigger budget being involved uh, here because mm-hmm. what we get is not just like an update a bit of text saying update flying at us we get multiple sort of uh, panels of mm-hmm. depicting like different family reunions and stuff mm-hmm. flying in different directions up down left or right all yeah. across the screen with a, a diagonal update being landed down on it I mean, it's like it a, is. it's a virtual scrapbook, basically, of all the reun- reunited, the reunifications that Unsolved <laughs> Mysteries has had a hand in. Yeah, yeah, it, it 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 was it was very noticeable, and I was very impressed. All right, uh, do you want to talk about the next <laughs> segment? <laughs> okay. Well, let's uh, let's leave the the state of New Hampshire and and go to the state of New Hampshire. Was that? Sorry, <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't realize it was going to be that funny. Well, it was um, to me. Um, please continue. <laughs> well, well, that's the important thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, no this this is a wanted segment, uh, and it involves a crooked judge, hey, John C. Fairbanks. Can huh? I ask you something real quick? Um, yeah. Do you remember there being a thing from the eighties that was like, here comes the judge, here comes the judge. Do you remember that? Like, uh, a, like a, a song like, or a saying? Yeah. Or a... Yeah. Maybe it was like a, it was like a, a thing that people said. <laughs> Do you remember that? Okay. Well, let's see here. Uh, judges in the eighties, there was, um, 
Judge Wapner from the People's Court, right? Maybe that was it. And of course, the the great actor Judge Reinhold. Remember, Judge? Yeah. Um, here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. Judge. So it doesn't ring a bell with you? It's like a thing people were saying. Was there a show about a judge? I'm sure there had to be. I don't know. I just have this thing like stuck in a recess of my brain. And it came up for me when I was watching the segment. Well, we'll just have to come up with a prize for whichever rumper (laughs) solves this mystery. You know, it could be just something I made up as an only child that no one actually said or did. (laughs) You can testify, but you just can't win, because I'm here to tell you, you guilty as sin. Here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. Order the courts. The Right Honorable Samuel Davis Jr. presiding. Do your thing. Okay, so this takes us actually to Newport, New Hampshire. And uh, this is also throughout the 80s. There was a judge by the name of John Fairbanks, who, by all accounts, was a very honest... Nice guy. But, as is so often the case, he actually turned out to be a piece of shit. Um, uh, yeah. N- yeah. Now, now, the depiction <laughs> of Newport, New Hampshire, it's, you know, your stereotypical New England town. You know, uh-huh. got all these n- neat-looking houses and buildings, and this courthouse is, you know, just this, you know, lovely little bit of New, uh, New England architecture. And I guess the thing was, is there really weren't too many cases he had to oversee as the judge for Newport. Mm. So on the side, he was able to do legal work as a lawyer um, for people's probate issues. Right. And boy, should they not have turned to him. Because... I don't understand why he was ever given, why he was ever materially given. I mean, I don't know anything about probate or estate lawyers, but, like, why would you give them, like, actual bonds and money and shit? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the that that, that also had me a bit perplexed because we basically get about a couple of different depictions of him dealing with his clients slash victims. And one of them is this very old woman whose husband passed away and mm-hmm. she just like she she has all just like a bag filled with like you say bonds and stocks and uh, who knows what and she just dumps it on his desk and yeah. you know she she wants him to you know he's he's going to do like an accounting of it get it all sorted out uh and you know that it was actually interesting like because they have this thing where they actually are at the bank together and she pulls the out of the safety deposit box and the act, the actor playing him, like when she hands it to him, you can tell he's trying to like, okay, I gotta make it like look like this guy has some sinister and sinister intentions, but I can't ham it up too much. Mm-hmm. So he just sort of like lingers a little bit as he before uh, uh, carrying it off, and you know, yeah, he's he's like, here, let me let me hold that, and so you know, and as he scattered, as all the stuff is scattered out on his desk. He's, he's sorting through it, and he keeps asking her, like, now you're sure this is everything? Which, I mean, you know, would also be a reasonable lawyer uh, question for a legitimate lawyer, to, in that case, to be doing as well, right? You know, want to make sure that you get everything taken care of in the paperwork. But it turns out that uh, he is uh he he just started like depleting these these poor people's money um and and i was a bit they had like a reenactment because i guess you know uh they they referred to uh black friday back in the 87 yeah no or was it black monday i don't know but yeah the uh there was uh, if for those of you who were around in '87, you might remember that there was a severe stock market uh, sell-off on a particular yeah. day. Then it's like um, how it is now. Yeah, yeah. Except not every day. It was just on one day. Yeah. <laughs> God. Oh. Um. So they have this reenactment where, like, he's actually conducting a tr- uh, uh, 
a trial or some sort of legal proceeding in a courtroom and someone comes up and hands him a piece of paper and he's like, oh, we got to take a recess. Mm-hmm. And he's they show him on the phone with his broker. Yeah, I guess yeah, I and I'm a bit I was a bit vague on what they were suggesting because it it seemed to me that he OK, he was up to cricket shenanigans from the start. But the, 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 the depicting this Black uh, uh, Monday situation, it felt like they're trying to suggest like he lost a bunch of money on the market. So then he, he decided he was going to like take money from people's accounts to, to cover it. I, you know, I'm Something not sure like what they're suggesting. Yeah, yeah, what they're suggesting. But yeah, basically that. And then, um, you know, things started to catch up with him. Like, because uh, cause like the, the the woman who dropped all of her stuff on, on his desk, she was like, hey, how come I haven't gotten any payments or anything? And he kept putting her off. Yeah, she was like, off. where are my dividends? <laughs> and he's like, well, what what I've done is I've reinvested those dividends yeah. into your main stocks so yeah. that so to cover the losses from from this 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 the stock from the stock market uh, sell off. I you know uh, in talking about all this though I don't I don't want to blaze over the remarkable resident of uh, Newport, New Hampshire named John H. Tweedy. Man, John H. Tweedy. Let me tell you, Christo. John H. Tweedy is like he is what I imagine the quintessential New Hampshire Hampshireer yeah. being. Uh, <laughs> i'm glad you agree yeah he's like wearing when they interview him okay he's like in his (laughs) home office area and i'm gonna break this down he's smoking a little wood pipe (laughs) he's got like a jaunty like um cap on plaid shirt beard Mm -hmm. uh he has the he has a really old-timey New England accent, which you don't hear too much anymore. I'm not going to attempt to do it because yeah. it would probably be offensive. Next to him yes. on his desk and his cup of uh, pencils and pens and whatever else, he has two magnifying glasses sticking out of it. I um, didn't notice that. Wow. that You had quite an eye for detail in, in, in this. Uh... John H. Tweedy really made me perk up because the other thing is he didn't seem like a rube no well that's well well i mean they 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 certainly show that that he wasn't um because he was certainly suspicious of of stuff going on yeah it's it's actually his brother he's like the executive for his brother's estate because his brother is institutionalized so yes um and they have this reenactment where like the the judge comes by and, and and John is like, what the heck, man? Why, you know, because he he knows that the, he 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 knows there's something awry with the the, the money, and and John's like, oh, uh, you know, it, like I think they they said basically he was like giving him answers without actually like them being real answers, just sort of replying to what was said. And then the judge is like, come by my place on Wednesday and we'll talk about it. And uh, Mr. Mr. Tweedy proceeded to do something that a shockingly few number of people have done in these sort of fraud segments before. Mm -hmm. He actually sits down and goes over the numbers. Yeah. And, And he very quickly, like... Uh, like you say, he's not a rube. He deduces that this guy has been like siphoning money off from the account for some time. Uh, and I like how, you know, he describes that, you know, upon discovering this, he called the police and I like how it seemed like he felt like he almost had to be defensive and, you know, and defend what he did. Like, you know, when I grew up, I, well, growing up, I was taught that if uh, you see something happening that's wrong, you call the police. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm amazed. Like, if only everyone that's ever been in the show had followed that same philosophy. Well, I, you know, he's only, he's, I think he's only, he's a, one of the few people we've seen 
in a fraud segment that actually like lays down how much money was taken from him because I think mostly people are just embarrassed and they don't want to say, you know. Right. He's pretty. He's pretty forthcoming with those details. Uh, um, we do. Do we do we need to like print out a picture of Tweety and put it in a frame and I think and induct I him think the, John the H- Rob Paul fame. <laughs> him John and H- Robert Stack. John H. Tweedy might need to be our new um, profile photo for uh Oh, oh. wow. I, uh, I, I'm I'm willing to support that. I'm going to assume the man has long since passed, so we wouldn't be yeah. infringing <laughs> upon him in any way. Um, there's, you know, they do a couple of talking heads interviews with some of the, the, the women who also were ripped off. And there's mm-hmm. one older elderly lady who I don't remember what her name is but she says something to the effect of uh, that she she's going to have to put her farm up for sale and then she says and we've had that land since the since the Rothsteins came over with us and I was like <laughs> the fuck is that even supposed to mean <laughs> I guess, I guess maybe if you if you live in New Hampshire you may I mean maybe maybe you Yeah. If if you say Rothstein in New Hampshire, is that like dropping major clout? I don't know. It, if you're a rumper and you live in New Hampshire, please contact us either at reenacted pod on Twitter yeah. or uh reenactedpod at gmail dot dot com. Yeah. And please uh please give us any details you might have about the Rothsteins in, in, in New Hampshire. Yeah, or if you're Nicole, you'll text me a month from now with no context <laughs> and tell me who they are. Like I remember having this conversation. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. Um but I would like to know because she's very indignant. We've had that land since we came over with the Rothsteins. It's like oh, okay. I don't know who those people are. Uh so <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) Um, well, what happened to this judge, Robbie? What's what happened to him? They ever find him or? Well, yeah, they did. Unfortunately, the the people didn't get their money, really get their money back because he had um, as happens with so many. So many people who are, are depicted in fraud segments. In this show, he made his way to Las Vegas. Of course, he uh, did. Yeah, where he was—he was found dead in his hotel room, right? Like he committed yeah. suicide. Yeah, he killed himself. Which, which is something that also happens with fraud fraudsters uh, depicted in the show. I—I I, don't—I—I I, keep—I've been wondering about that ever since I watched this this segment. And I'm I'm trying to like figure out was it like, do they go there because there maybe there's a sense of lawlessness in Vegas because it used to be you know all the the mob was was doing stuff there or is it just like do they are, are they down to their last couple of thousand dollars and they think like okay I can just go there I'll play the tables I have a system and I'll make all that money back <laughs> I have a system. <laughs> <laughs> well that's that that's that, that's how people always get uh, on on tv shows throughout like the de- 70s and 80s people were always going to casinos right and they're like i have a system i know i yeah <laughs> yeah well i i don't i don't know it's probably some combination of both i don't know he's a fucking degenerate come on he ripped people off where else is he gonna go touche <laughs> you, know? um, you know i <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, I was going to mention something about the uh, the buffet and the Excalibur and and uh, having bowel problems, but we could probably save it for a segment that's a little more topical. Uh, well, sure. Um, you know, I was wrong. Actually, it whatever her name was, it was screaming about the 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 Rothsteins. Uh, under her name in the unsolved mysteries segment, they should show how, that she lost half a million dollars. So yes, yes. Um. Yeah, it's not. I don't know. I don't think it's that weird that they like entrusted their ostensibly their estate lawyer to. But I just don't understand why he ever had 
access to the any right. Sort he of does. Bonds? He doesn't need the bonds, no. or at the very at the most, you bring them with you during the sit down with him, and he can right. just like write down the numbers of what they're worth. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, we've all learned an important lesson here, which is don't give a judge your money. Don't give don't give the judge your money, and don't don't get with any investors in Medford. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> really the credo of this entire podcast, I think. Oh yeah, it's totally. Sta- it's, it's stay away from the Medford hustle, you know. The the old Medford hustle, um, you know. At, at now now that like. I have full-time permanent employment mm-hmm. at some point when I like get my car, you know, refurbished enough for a long road trip. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go up there for, for a rump re, re related field trip, Crystal. I, I, I might be able to join you. I mean, if we ever I'll get pay, to I'll, leave our houses again. Yeah. 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 Um, once, once, you know, a year and a half from now, when we're yeah. a- able to co- come out, because uh, yeah. we've all gotten our, our co- uh, corona va- vaccine. Uh, uh, actually, uh, you know, Medford has a pretty nice airport. We could just fly. I mean, for a town of its size, it's kind of. Yeah. It's actually, it's sort of small and quaint, but very modern. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, maybe we can fly into Medford. And, That'd be uh, great. I like that. Yeah. I like that part. I like Southern Oregon a lot. They've got that town, uh, Ashland, is right, right uh, on the other side of the country. Oh yeah, yeah. There, they do this. Yeah, I've been there it, for the Shakespeare Festival. Um, oh, you went to the Shakespeare Festival? Yeah, I've, 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 I've noticed uh, back when I was working for the BLM in Southern Oregon, I'd drive through there and I'd see banners up for the Shakespeare mm-hmm. Festival. When did you go? When did you go to that? Um, I went. Oh, it was in high school. It was like a high school trip. <laughs> Oh, that we went, we went, we went for a few days and, um, at some point, one of the people in my theater class, uh, decided to go score some booze. So they basically went Uh through, there's like a park there called Lithia Park and they went trying to find someone who would buy them booze and apparently no one would buy them booze, but they got offered a lot of acid for sale. (laughs) They did not purchase because they were just. Yeah, well, yeah, that's maybe a, that's not quite what we're looking for. Yeah. And coincidentally, um, so I think they ended up scoring some booze. But that same night, all of us had gone out to this Italian restaurant and I had clam linguine and I got the worst food poisoning of my life. Oh, man, I'm sorry night. to hear about that. So I was just yakking all night in my shared hotel room. Uh, and then I got, because I was so sick, I got accused of drinking, but I wasn't, I wasn't drinking that time. Uh, it was just the clams. Yeah. Don't, I, I, don't, don't, don't order, don't get clams or, you know, anything like that from a, a sea uh, from, from a restaurant. Cause it seems like they, they always have trouble cooking them properly, you know? Yeah. I just, you know, I mean, I have since then many times gotten clam linguine, but it didn't put me off of it. Anyways, can we move on to this last love segment? <laughs> and the only thing I can uh, I want to say about it, uh, right right off the bat, is just that like I'm glad it was the one at the end. Like if if they get into a thing where they put the lost love segment as, as the very last one, yeah, I can get behind that because yeah. if you get an episode with like, you know, no one gets caught, yeah, uh, it, it yeah at least you can end with like something that isn't going to make you want to like put a plastic bag over your head and asphyxiate yourself. Right. That would if they had ended this uh, show with the Connecticut River Killer not being caught, that would be tonally oh, very God. different. Then how? Yeah. So lost loves. Um, there's some twins, I guess. That were <laughs> Paul and Paula, named after yeah. the doctor and Paul. <laughs> I mean, that's I don't. I have a lot to say about that, but I'll say it off pod. Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, this uh, young woman comes home. I don't know. This is like in the fucking fifties or whatever. She comes home to her to her house. She's about 13 years old, and her mom's bumming out. Um, 
and looking at this newspaper and like writing in scribbles the words Paul and Paula. And so uh, her daughter's like, hey, why are you writing these names? And then the mom's like, well, I guess, guess it's time I told you. And I guess the mom back in the 40s, 50s, or who knows, uh, had been married to someone else previously and had been pregnant with twins and went into labor prematurely. And I really feel like the amount of times they say premature labor in this segment, like if you took a <laughs> shot every time they said it, you'd be pretty, pretty drunk by the end of the show. Uh, at any rate, okay. so, the, so the mom explains, you know, I had these twins and they had congenital heart defects and I wasn't, we weren't, able to uh, care for them. So this rich family bought our babies. Uh, I guess the plan was to get the babies back, but that just didn't happen for whatever reason. So uh, I don't know. And then this, then the mom like divorced the guy. The first husband was named Slim. That's so, what I gathered. Uh, so the, and then they named their twins Paul and Paula. Like, come the fuck on, you guys. Like, I don't know. Anyway, uh, so, yeah. I like how another... in, the re in the reenactment, when the doctor is telling the, the father, like, look, you know, there's some issues uh, because of how premature they are. And they're going to need the, the surgery. And it's going to be really, like, really extensive. Yeah. And, like, the way the father sort of, like, rotates his head looking away. Mm -hmm. He the 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 actor had 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 chose a facial expression that to me somehow like it just like it perfectly conveyed someone being like, man, he's saying it's going to be expensive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm going to introduce a theory to this. Okay. The babies were born premature. They were very small. Um, we get some specifics from a letter that the mom wrote and then tucked away. Uh, about how mm -hmm. much the babies weighed. So, so, so their health was very fragile, to be sure. This thing about the congenital heart defect and, like, the doctor saying in the reenactment being like, well, it'd be best if you just gave them up. Was he like, these yokels who just named their twins Paul and Paula are in no position to take care of premature twins better just make something up? And oh, so that, that they're that, convinced to... That's an interesting... Uh, I did not come up with that angle, but that's actually a pretty pretty interesting angle, and I could actually believe that. Like, basically, he's just... Uh, yeah, like, like this is another case of... We've, we've encountered this before. Mm -hmm. uh, people in, in authority who are like, oh, you know... Uh, so the, these people obviously won't be good parents. So right. I'll just unilaterally make the decision to take a, take their uh, try to either take away their children or just like steer them in a, a direction where they'll just give the children up. Yeah, I mean it's sort of this idea that just because you're poor, you're going to be unable to take care of your children or you're a bad parent. Which you know I could go on a whole rant about class warfare right now, but. Um, so the American healthcare system strikes again, and this the mom whose name I don't remember and Slim give up their kids uh, to this wealthier family. Um, the mom goes on to get remarried later, and ends up having mm -hmm. guess what ten more children. <laughs> God, when they mentioned that figure, I if I had if I had something in my mouth, I would have done a spit take. Yeah. So in this woman's life, she gave birth to twelve people. Just think about that. Spectacular. Twelve, twelve people. Yeah, just really spectacular yeah. stuff here. I'm not. That's no judgment. I'm just really impressed. With yeah, damn. Um. So so anyway, mom dies. They find these letters. Uh, dad dies. So the the siblings now are, are and some extended nieces and nephews are now. Um, wanting to find their uh, half uncle and aunt and uncle. Uh, <clears throat> the other thing is they get one of the nieces gets this cryptic phone call from this old woman saying 
seven days or whatever, and you'll, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't happen. So basically that's what drives them to uh, contact Unsolved Mysteries. Well, of course, Unsolved Mysteries does what it does best in the time before Facebook would have made this a 15-minute search. And um, and they, uh, they get a call to the call center, and the uh, twins are are happy and healthy and alive, and uh, the show ends with a really nice uh, reunification here. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very sweet. It's a nice little moment. Yeah. And yeah. And that's <laughs> and that's the name of that tune, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I um, you know there there was one thing about like. When they depicted, you know, the mother having written the the two names down on a piece of paper over and over again, Paul and uh-huh. Paula, mm-hmm. and it was like it was sort of like it was what on a magazine or newspaper, and she was just yeah. writing it in the margins, right? Like she has a the... crush or something. <laughs> <laughs> Mister and Missus Paul and Paula. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, well, to me, the, the an idea that kind of struck me was. I I sort of imagined maybe I mean she she was writing those names down and the and the reenactment the daughter comes in it's like why are these names down here on this paper oh it's nothing oh well okay but I mean why oh well, I'll tell you if you want to know it's it's about time like I had this like it seemed like the mother really wanted to 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 tell this and I just had it in my mind i imagined this scenario where she was actually writing those names down on the the newspaper every day mm-hmm. waiting for like her daughter to notice or you know one of her ch- children or family members to notice so that she would then have an excuse to to spill spill the beans as it were yeah she was being really really coy and girly about it yeah yeah <laughs> Like basically, she's waiting for someone to like hand her a piece of paper that she unfolds, and yeah. it says, "Did you have children prior to us?" Yet, yeah. and there's a box with yes next to it, and a box yeah. with no next to it. Yes, and she has to mark one of those and <laughs> hand it back. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah. Hey, hey, Robbie, I uh, I gotta go lay down. Yeah, you you rest up. Um, yeah, we have. I mean, I'm not trying to be alarmist or anything, but you know, I have some suspicions that I may have caught the caught the Rona here. So uh, most of us are at some point, right? Yeah, it's about a coin flip chance in California right now. So um, anyway, just to all our listeners, I'm okay. I'm just really tired. Just very if. <laughs> unreasonably fatigued. Uh, well, if you want to get... express your worries about the coronavirus <laughs> or find out where the cure is, visit us at Reenacted Pod on <laughs> oh, Twitter. God. Shameless, <laughs> fucking shameless. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> Hang in there, bud. Uh, we're yeah. still, I put this out on Twitter the other day. I'm still waiting for shitty small town stories. You guys, if you send them to us, I will, we will read them. We're going to be doing, uh, you know, we got all the time in the world over here to be recording. At least I do. Robbie still has to go to work. I'm ostensibly working from home. So please send me some entertaining shitty small town stories. And just a refresher on what that is. It's, uh, I want I want to hear about some real podunk shit. Like, did your friend drive uh their car off the ferry dock um did they uh was there a party patrol we have a whole episode about the party patrol you can go back and listen to that that's that's a shitty small town story um did you steal a bunch of ice cream tubs from the back of a coffee place and then not have a place to store them that was large enough and then have a bunch of melted ice cream in the back of your family van that you then ex- had to explain to the cops and your parents. That's the kind of stuff we're looking for here. Uh, uh, I think uh, next time we talk, I'm going to ask you some questions. <laughs> I, I didn't, I did not do any of those things that I just said. I was not personally involved in any of those things just to clear it up. 
Okay. Um, I'm just, you know, just giving some examples as to the kind of shitty small town stories. I, I like petty crime and just antics and stupid shit yes. that you did when you lived in your dumb small town. Or if you still live there, that's fine. Just tell us about it, please. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Robbie, well. you want to do, do the thing? Join us next week for another edition of Unsolved Mysteries.